All right, all right, all right. We got some here? No? Okay. I know, pretty bad. Well, good evening. Um, Awesome to have you here. One public service announcement to start, followed by a little bit of commentary, and then we're reading God's Word and we're digging in together. So, um, Romans 1 in your Bible, if you have a copy of God's Word. Public service announcement is that uh, tomorrow at 2 o'clock... For anybody that wants to uh, come, we're going to play basketball, old guys versus young guys. Amen? Okay, so uh, yeah, I know there's some good players here and stuff. So here's what we got as old guys, right? Number one, we are slow. Praise Jesus. All right. We are slow. Um, Secondly, we don't want to get injured. We do not want to get hurt. And then, yeah, preach, all right, all right, we're already in the spirit tonight, amen, all right. And then, um, and then thirdly, um, we're just, we just can't jump, we're unskilled. So this, young guys, you're all invited tomorrow, two o'clock, over here, and girls too, if you want to play, and uh, you can teach some old men um, some things and beat up on us for a little while. So there's your public service announcement. Transitioning into Romans 1, this day, I'm telling you what, Willie... Felderman, dude, wow, wow, unreal, unreal, Un- unreal day, and, and uh, Willie is, is amazing at what he does, so we have a lot of programming, we have a luau, we've got, you know, all these things, the color run, and the, all the fun stuff, Skidapalooza, and now I get to talk to you about the wrath of God, all right, how about that for a... Nice, smooth transition. Uh, but no, for real, it's been awesome to talk to many of you and some of you who have responded in the last couple days to the sermons and to the Word of God. It's been incredible to talk to some of you. And I know that there are some of you that are processing things. I mean, you are thinking through some amazing and, and beautiful and significant things about who God is, who Jesus is. Just today, I talked to several of you, and you're like, I don't know. I don't know that I get all of this. I don't know that I understand Jesus. And even if I, you know, if I want to go back, you know, and talk to my counselor, I don't know all the things. I don't know all the things. And uh, I just want to surround you with love and grace and support. You are exactly where you need to be. And God is a very loving and gracious God, and He wants to communicate and make it clear about who His Son is and who He is and what His Word says. So just continue to seek after answers for where you are at. Um, We are in Romans 1, 18 through 32. The message is titled Unsatisfied, and this is a message to unchurched kids. Those of you who didn't grow up in church, This is for you. Let's read God's word. Romans 1, 18 through 32. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and his divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and those things that have been made. So they are without excuse. 
For although they knew God, they didn't honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise also gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind, to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Anybody else tired reading this? And though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. Praise God for the reading and the hearing of His Word. Let's pray. Father, we love You. We need You. Thank You for loving us. Thank You for communicating Yourself to us through Your Word and through Your Spirit. And Lord, I pray For unchurched kids that are here tonight, unchurched, far from God, confused about who you are, about who they are, oh God, would you just surround them with your love and your truth. And Lord, may we see the beauty of Jesus tonight. And Lord, may some, maybe many, put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior for the very first time. And we pray that you would do this miracle by the power of your spirit for the glory of your name. Jesus, we pray in your name. Amen. So the theme of the week continues to be going all in for Christ and getting a new identity. As we approach Romans 1, the Apostle Paul is writing to a church that he eagerly wants to go meet. He wants to go meet this church in Rome. And Paul is seeking to communicate the gospel to the Roman church. He calls the gospel the power of God unto salvation. John mentioned it this morning, that the word power is the word dunamis. It means dynamite. It means the power that God has to save the soul of a sinner. Romans, the book, has been called the greatest letter ever written because it has such a beautiful and thorough treatment of the gospel of Jesus Christ or the good news of Jesus. And Paul starts the letter in Romans 1 by showing his readers that all, everyone is under sin. Every single person, churched or unchurched, 
whether you're a counselor, pastor, preacher, or just a camper, every single person, according to Paul's argument in Romans 1, everyone is born under sin and is underneath the wrath of God and in need of the gospel. So Paul starts in Romans 1 with his unchurched audience, which is why tonight's message is for unchurched kids. When I say unchurched, let me uh, define my terms, okay? When I say unchurched, I, I, I think there's two different things that can be said. The definition that I would give is not connected or untethered from the gospel of Jesus. And another way to say it is secular. Okay, that's what I mean when I say unchurched. It means that you are not connected or untethered from the gospel of Jesus. Now, there's two different kinds of unchurched. One unchurched kid, and there's probably a few of you that are here at this camp in this category, where you are truly unconnected to Christianity. You came to this camp and you're like, I don't even know how I got here. Can I get an amen? Some of you are like, I don't even get it. I don't even know how I'm here. I don't know anything about Christianity. I, I got in a van. I saw a van with a church symbol driving down the road. I gave the, uh, you know, like the, the hitchhiker's thumbs up thing. I got in the van. I don't even know anything about Christianity, but I'm secular. And I'm learning all this stuff. And there's this preacher preaching at me. And they sing all these songs. Some of them even raise their hands. It's weird. Some of you are probably in that category, truly unconnected from Christianity. But also, I would say the unchurch is probably the majority of this group tonight. A majority of this crowd tonight would be in this category. You know God in a general sense. And I go to verse 21. They knew God... Right? This unchurched group that Paul is addressing, they knew God, but they didn't glorify God or give thanks to God. So in some sense, you know God, you don't want to go to hell, so you want fire insurance. Just in case something bad happens, you're trying to hedge your bets a little bit, like if God is real, I should probably know him because I don't want to die unexpectedly. And so you want to stay good with God. But... How you practically live, you live like an atheist. You live like an unbeliever. Though you come to church, though you do some of the religious things, you live that as if there is no God. Here's what I mean. You love the world. You love it. You're obsessed with the world. You go to church, but your love affair is really with sin. Like John said this morning, a major problem with Christianity is that there are a bunch of churched kids that go to church that name the name of Christ, but in order to win the world, they become exactly like the world, and it's really just a disguise to indulge your desires. You're saying, well, I'm trying to win somebody to Jesus. Really? When's the last time you actually shared Jesus? Well, I'm just trying to be, you know, you got to be like the system around you. You can't just like stick out like a sore thumb. That's the main problem with Christianity today. We don't have 
a church or a group of churches filled with believers that are genuinely going to live out a different kind of lifestyle. You can't win anybody to Christ if you're too obsessed with being like the world. So if you see yourself in matching my definition of unchurched, hear me clearly. You will not escape the wrath of God and you will be unsatisfied with your sin. The wrath of God has been revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Verse 18. And I'm saying this, if you don't know Jesus, you will not escape the wrath of Almighty God on your life. You won't escape it. And to boot, you won't be satisfied with your life now. So it's a double whammy. Now, if you're far from God, if you fit this unchurched definition, I want to just quickly transition and tell you this. If you're far from God, I love that you are here. Man, I love that you're here. God loves that you're here. If you're far from God, God loves that you are here. Your life might be messed up. You might say, I've got a lot of sin in my life. I want to love you tonight in Romans 1 and tell you how you've gotten where you've gotten. Let God's word tell you how you've gotten there. And, and in my heart, I want to tell you in love, I've been where you've been. You heard my testimony on Monday night. I've been where you've been. I've been far from God. Not understanding. Dude, the church culture can get really intimidating really fast. Because you feel like an outsider all the time. Every time you come to church, you feel like an outsider. You come to this camp, you feel like an outsider. And you're like, I don't know how to get in. How do I get in that circle? Because that circle seems to know what they're talking about. I don't know what I'm talking about. I feel you. I get you. That's where I was at. Before I came to Christ, I didn't know how I got there, but I knew I was in trouble. And for some of you, you're here and oh, does God love you with an everlasting love, a love that is so different than what you've known so far from this world. So you won't escape the wrath of God. And I say that with love. If you don't know Jesus, you won't escape it and you will be unsatisfied so Paul lays out certain snowballs of sin that get moving in the unchurched kid's life that will lead to an avalanche of destruction. So here's my illustration. I want you to think about this concept. as you're, I want you to think of yourself as standing on this massive snow-capped mountain. Can we, can we get that picture? Okay, I want you to picture that you are up here on the top and after the hot day that we have, can I get an amen for this picture right here? Come on now. I'm preaching right now because that is where we all want to be. So I want you to picture that you're on top of the snow-capped mountain and, and you fall. And as you fall, you will fall into what is called the snowball effect. 
You've seen it in the cartoons and stuff where the snowball starts really small and then it gets really big. I think we have like, Noah, didn't you do like a, Noah did like a video for this. All right, Noah, show him. Show him how it goes. Look at this. Noah, good job. Let's give him a hand. Come on now. So you see how it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Okay? So this is the snowball effect. Thank you, Noah. (laughs) Just in case you weren't tracking, there's the words. There it is. And so the snowball starts small, and you think at the top of the mountain, you're like, I've got this under control. I can get back to where I was. But you find that it builds and builds and builds, and it builds into this massive avalanche, and you find yourself at each stage of your life helplessly trying to make decisions that you think are going to help you. But you find yourself at the bottom of this massive mountain buried underneath feet and feet and feet and feet of snow in need of rescue. And can I say that this is how sin works in the secularist, unchurched kid. You have an awareness of God. You kind of know who God is. But you have a love affair with the world. And you want to be satisfied with what the world offers you because what the world offers you is attractive and it is fun. And you heard a preacher say that. Sin is really enjoyable. It only lasts for a season and it comes with devastating consequences. And so many of you are falling in love with this world because you think it's going to satisfy you. It will for a very brief moment in time and it'll cost you your life. And so you fall in love and over the cliff you go with your sinful desires going over the cliff. And initially, when you first start going down this mountain, you think, I can get out of this whenever I want to get out of this. How many of you have told yourself that before? I can get out when I want to get out. It's the famous lie of sin. You can't get out when you want to get out and all of a sudden you realize that you are descending and falling helplessly down this mountain of sin, stage after stage after stage, and and all of a sudden, you are in an all-out avalanche, and you land at the bottom of this mountain, and you have the snow packed feet and feet and feet above you, and it is the wrath of God on your life. And you are buried in sin, and you don't know how to get out And on top of all of that devastation, you got a few minutes of oxygen. And you also think to yourself, I'm also unsatisfied. And in the midst of that moment, the only solace and peace that you can feel is that other people are also falling down the mountain, which makes you feel some level of comfort. You're falling at this mountain, you're like, well, at least I'm not alone. I guess I can go to hell and party with my friends, right? So here's the big idea tonight. Unchurched kids fall into snowballs of sin that bring the avalanche of God's wrath and will require an incredible rescue from Jesus. So you're sitting at the bottom of this mountain buried alive and you might be saying this, I'm buried... And I'm still unsatisfied. 
I'm buried under the wrath of God and I'm going to die and I'm still not happy. Augustine, the great theologian and church father, he said this, God looks mercifully upon men when he does not allow them to find lasting contentment in anything that is not him. The great prophets, the Rolling Stones. Yeah, amen, there we go. They said it this way, I can't get no satisfaction. So tonight we're going to look at the three snowballs of sin that Paul identifies for unchurched kids. Snowball number one is ingratitude. Ingratitude, verses 21 through 23. For although they knew God, verse 21, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. They did not give thanks. Paul said that the first pattern of sin amongst sinners is ingratitude. Did you know that the worst sin in your life right now is ingratitude? You're not thankful. You're not thankful to God for who He is. You're not thankful for your life, for where you are. You're not thankful for anything. You might have moments where you're thankful, but for the most part... Paul is saying ingratitude is turning away from God and choosing to not give thanks for what one clearly sees regarding God's eternal power and His divine nature. You know creation is preaching His sermon, right? Do you know that? Creation is preaching its sermon. And you can look at that sermon every day. And instead of saying, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, God, for your grace, you know what we say as Iowans? It's 97 degrees today with 85% humidity. I hate Iowa. You see what I'm saying? We look at creation every single day, and our natural sinful self says, I'm not thankful. Instead of getting down on our knees and thanking God for another day of life and breath and everything, we turn and say, eh, it's okay. Not really what I wanted. Ingratitude leads to futile thinking, emptiness, vanity. Futile thinking means that you're you're not thankful and that doesn't go anywhere, which leads your brain to not really lead you down any path. Ingratitude, it says, claiming to be wise, they became fools. Ingratitude leads to proclamations of wisdom, claiming to be wise, which is basically a sinner saying, look, I found a way to live my life and find happiness that does not involve God. Look at this. I'm claiming to be a wise person. You're really a fool because to separate yourself from the God who created you is not smart. And they also exchange the glory of God for images. Ingratitude leads us to exchange God's glory for created images. And as John told us this morning in Acts chapter 19, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. I told John, I said, hey, you should have made them get up and just scream for like five minutes. And just kind of do like a thing. Like that would be a thing to do and just see how tired they got. You know, great is Phil of IRBC or something like that. You know, it would have been fun. 
Artemis was an image, an idol, a god, very wealthy. It drew in a lot of economy. And as John was speaking, I had this thought. Can we put up the the Amazon picture? You know who this guy is? All right, Jeff Bezos. Yeah, Jeff Bezos. Okay. Yeah. All right, all right. Got some Amazon fans here. All right, two-day shipping. It's amazing. It's amazing. Right? Look, in our culture today, we worship this guy. Right? We might as well be saying, great is Bezos of Amazon. Great is Bezos of Amazon. Because if Amazon goes down, this world's falling apart. All right, let's go to the next one. How about this guy? I think we got Zuckerberg. There he is. Yeah, boo. Zuckerberg. Facebook. That's for old people. Can I get an amen? That's for old folks. Old folks. Greatest Zuckerberg of Facebook. Greatest Zuckerberg of Facebook. You see, our culture is so dependent. Let's go to the next one. Next one is, I think, phones. All right, maybe. Maybe not. Phones? Yeah, no? Okay. So pretend that there are five iPhones on that screen. Okay? And for many of us, we would say and shout, great are the iPhones. Great are the iPhones. Stinky are the Samsungs. Amen. Okay. Now you can go down the line, right? You can go down the line. Starbucks, Lululemon, Nike, Apple, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady, Disney, Instagram, Worshipping trees, science, Thor and Loki, <laughs> the multiverse. Oh, there they are. Nice job. Space travel. Hey, listen. Sexual sin and any other created image. We as sinners invent our saviors. And we worship at the ground of that which cannot respond to us, namely the creation rather than the creator. So snowball number one is ingratitude. And if you're an unchurched kid here tonight, you breathe ungrateful air every day of your life. And and you've only known this and it is leading to the second snowball. The first one is ingratitude. The second snowball is no rules or limits. Verse 24 through 27. Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their heart to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. The second snowball is the snowball of no rules and no limits. God gave them up to the lust of their hearts, to whatever they wanted, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. God gave them over, said, you don't want moral rules? You don't want moral limits? Fine, you can have whatever you want. I call this snowball the Elsa snowball. Let's put it up. You see this girl? I still remember taking my girls to this movie. 
And Elsa, in the first movie, she sings this antinomian song, no law, right? No right, no wrongs, no rules for me, I'm free. And then, and then the crescendo of the song is, let it go, right? Moment of freedom. It's pathetic. pathetic. Listen, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts. God's wrath in this second snowball is releasing unbelievers to their cravings, longings, and desires. When sinners continue to have a lack of gratitude for God, God says, fine, you want what you want, I will give you what you want. Sinners might say, I want to do whatever I want. I want to be whatever I want to be. I want to do whatever I want, whenever what I want. And I don't care what God says. Unlimited expression of my desire. That's what I want. And in that ingratitude, God's wrath comes on demand and says, fine, you want that? You can have it. The sign of the wrath of God on a culture is when that culture is captured by ingratitude and there seems to be no divine repercussions in the moment. Like a kid who does something wrong and thinks they got away with it. And this is exactly what our society says today. Let's have no limits. We live in a limitless society, morally speaking, where everybody is saying sex, money, food, technology, we do what we want and we we want it, we want it now and we expect to get it. And then when we see no wrath of God or no direct response from God, we think that we're righteous. We're not righteous. God giving you what you want is His wrath on your life. Paul says dishonoring their bodies among themselves. Abusing one's body. I could preach a whole sermon on this. Our culture, under God's wrath, thinks that my body is my body. My body is not God's body. My body's mine. You want to abuse your body? Go for it. It's fine. Just do whatever you want. Antinomian living. No law. You want to to look at pornography on your phone? Go for it. You think nobody's going to look? Go for it. It's fine. What about masturbation? You want to do that? Sure. Fine. Do it. What about sexting and all that stuff? What about sexual exploration with no limits? There is literally no limits on sexual exploration in our world. That is a sign of God's wrath on man. Verse 26, for this reason God gave them up to dishonorable passions. Their women exchanged natural relations. Their men likewise gave up natural relations. They were consumed with passion for one another. God gave them up. Paul highlights sexual sin as one of the chief evidences of no rules living. Sex today is defined literally however you want it. And most of the time, this is a reaction to the abuse of God's design for sexuality. 
Here's what I mean. I have counseled many homosexual men, LGBTQ people that come to our church, come in for counseling, almost every single one of them has been abused by people in their past sexually, by people who have called themselves Christians. I think the sexual problem in our culture is an in-house problem for the most part. We have people naming the name of Jesus and abusing girls and abusing boys. And because of that, those girls and those boys, they, they grow up and they say, well, I guess this is normal. I guess this is Christianity, allegedly. And in the midst of that, they turn to other definitions of sexuality that they hope will bring them joy. That they hope will bring them satisfaction. And at that point, this is the tip of the iceberg when the culture begins to express themselves in every which way they want. It is mostly a sad song of hurting people who have been abused in the name of Christianity often. The church needs to get on their knees and repent and ask God's forgiveness for turning blind eyes to hurting people. I'm not excusing the sin of Choose your own adventure sexuality. I'm simply saying, if we are going to be the church, let's be the church and let's say what God says. And let's find our churches to be a haven where sinners can come and meet Jesus for goodness sakes. And if you're here tonight and you're just like, yeah, I'm an unchurched person and I'm struggling with sexual identity. Here's what I would say to you. I don't condemn you. The church does not condemn you. If you're wrestling through this, there's probably a lot of reasons why in your life, and we need to hear what's going on. In the midst of that, we simply want you to hear the voice of Jesus. Just hear Jesus on this subject. That's all we're asking you to do. You can reject Jesus or accept Him or whatever, but please understand, Jesus has such a heart for your sexual identity. And by God's grace, you can see through the second snowball of no rules. Because deep down in your soul, you want rules. You do. You want God's design. You want what God wants. You want to make God happy. Those things are the realities of what we're dealing with. And oftentimes, unchurched kids come into this place where they consider the wrath of God and they feel self-righteous or they feel angry. And they still feel unsatisfied. Which leads to our third snowball of sin. Snowball number three is celebrating the wrong things. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanders, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree and those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. This snowball of sin eventually leads to this avalanche. It's an absolute avalanche of wickedness. 
Paul lists out 17 clear sins in verses 29 through 32 that if you're an unchurched kid, you're just enveloped by these things. Like you're just taken over by these things. Because ingratitude leads to no rules. No rules leads to celebrating the wrong things. Like what? Like strife in verse 29. Conflict. Some of you are unchurched. You got a lot of conflict in your life. You got a lot of fights brewing. You got a lot of arguments going. What about maliciousness? That's sharp words. If you grow up unchurched and you're not in the church, right? You talk a little rougher. <laughs> That's just what you do. If you're unchurched, you're not used to the Christian verbiage of thou shalt not say those words. Thou shalt speak like a godly person. If you're unsaved, you're just like, yeah, I'm malicious. I have sharp words. What can I do? Listen, ingratitude leads to no rules. No rules leads to maliciousness, like just a sharpness. It's sin. What about gossiping? You know, gossiping happens within the sinful, unchurched heart. That's what happens. And you go back down and ruthless at the end of verse 31, it means you have no mercy. There's no mercy. I mean, it is karate kid world, right? No mercy. Sorry, that's an 80s movie. Sorry, that didn't land very well. Yeah, sorry. But some of you are just ruthless. You're just like, yeah, that's how it is. It's ruthless. It's a hard world out there. I wish these church people would just know what kind of world it is out there. They don't have a clue how hard it is. It's a ruthless place. I'm a ruthless person. They know God's decree. In Snowball 3, the lost sinner knows God. But they give their approval to everything that's wrong. Under this avalanche of sin and God's wrath, at this point, they are buried underneath the weight of sin. But there are people around them, so we might as well make the best of our situation right here. And we better clap and approve those people who are with us at the bottom of the avalanche. We're all going to die, so I guess we might as well do it together. Ingratitude leads to no rules. No rules Leads you to this place where you are celebrating the wrong things. And church people look at your life and say, that's horrible, that's abominable. How could you dare celebrate those bad things? And every unchurched kid is just like, yeah, it's because I know I'm screwed up and I know that there's no grace for me and I know I got moments to live. And there's other people around, so I guess I'll just celebrate what that is because I'm not going to celebrate God. So they begin to clap and approve of those around him who are doing the same sins. This agenda is anti-God. The celebrations are self-righteous and they are angry. When you begin to clap for all the wrong things, you are mostly, most of the time self-righteous. I have noticed this a ton in our culture, and I'm sure you have too, like where there is just so much self-righteousness all over the place on socials, on the news. Everybody is wrong except for the person who is self-righteously putting their cause above everybody else's cause. Is anybody else sick of that? I am so sick of this. Nobody's righteous. Not 
One. Sorry, that's Friday's sermon. Ah. But unchurched kids tell themselves that clapping for ingratitude and perversion is heroic and merciful. It's backwards. It's messed up. When you're clapping for the wrong things and you're on the wrong side of God, it's messed up. It reminds me of Marvel Infinity War, right? That's, that's where you clearly saw I was going next, right? Okay, if you watch the beginning of Infinity War, there's that guy, Ibani Ma. He's a freaky looking guy. This guy, you know, you know this guy? Scary. I hate that guy. I hate that guy. But at the beginning of Infinity War, you heard him say the speech several times. Sickening to listen to his speech, morally speaking. He said, hear me and rejoice. You have had the privilege of being saved by the great titan Thanos. You may think this is suffering. No, it is salvation. The universe scales tip toward balance because of your sacrifice. Smile, for even in death, you have become children of Thanos. That is messed up. And that is the gospel that is being preached in our culture today. It's absolutely against God, and it's absolutely being flipped on its head, and it sounds like this beautiful speech of glory and and tolerance and all that stuff. It is evil and wrong. Sinners hanging together for mutual affection or affirmation is their sin. And this is the final snowball that unchurched kids are buried in, the snow. They're destined to die under God's wrath. They're celebrating the wrong things. And they still are unsatisfied deep down in here because you're not connected to God. So what's the final point? Final point, and then we'll close. Jesus to the rescue. Jesus to the rescue. At this point, only a dramatic rescue... And I think we have a picture of this like snow mountain rescue. Only a dramatic rescue can save the unchurched kid. Jesus Christ will have to dig through the mountains of snow, the mountains of God's wrath, to find the person who needs rescuing. And all people, unchurched kids and church kids. Now, church kids, your sermon is tomorrow night, okay? Just in case you thought you were getting off. You're not. You're getting yours tomorrow night. All people are guilty. All people need the rescue of Jesus Christ in their life. This is why Jesus came, Luke 19.10. He came to seek and to save that which is lost. Unchurched kid, Jesus loves you. He loves you. He's ready to save you. He's ready to pull you out of your sin. And he's ready to transform your life. The tragedy, unchurched kid, is for you to walk out of these doors thinking, oh, that's okay, but I don't think I need help. The tragedy would be to not realize you've fallen down a spiritual mountain and you're buried. So unchurched kid, you fall into the snowballs of sin that bring an avalanche of God's wrath that require an incredible rescue 
from Jesus. And we're going to talk about that rescue all Friday night. But if you're here tonight and you know you need to be saved tonight, you don't want to wait till Friday, I just want to tell you that Jesus Christ died, He rose again, and He ascended to forgive you for your sins and satisfy your soul. He came to pull you out of the wreckage and He came to save your life and get you back on top of that mountain where you were before. It's time to go all in with Jesus, get a new identity. An identity that is a satisfied soul. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your grace. Thank You for this word tonight. God, we've all fallen. We've all fallen down that mountain. And the snowballs of our sin just make life more complicated and more complicated and more complicated and hard. God, I pray for unchurched kids tonight. Lord, I pray for those who are just being exposed to Christianity for the first time. And oh God, I pray that they might know your love, Jesus. That they might know the seriousness of their sin and the seriousness of, of their impending death. And Lord, I pray that you would move unchurched kids tonight to say, I don't know a lot about Jesus. I don't know a lot about Christianity, but what I do know is I need Jesus to rescue me tonight. God, would you move by your power and your grace and your mercy to save the unchurched kid. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.